So I was thinking a little bit about meaning, and Akira the Don had a great line about meaning recently. He said, the meaning of life is to have meaning. And I think he means purpose in your life, meaning in your life, whatever it is, having what the Japanese call ikigai, a reason to get out of bed. And I was thinking about this in the context of work, in the context of having a job. And a lot of what I'm going to ramble about is based on Nassim Taleb's work and his lens of fragility. He talks a lot about this in his book, Anti-Fragile, which I highly recommend. Anyways, there seem to be and I know I'm oversimplifying, but there seem to be three kinds of jobs. Fragile, robust, and anti-fragile. The first kind is fragile. This is the usual nine to five, where you are a part of something. And that's reassuring, and it does provide an identity. But... It's fragile because your boss is a single point of failure. And that is dangerous, especially in a world with decreasing opportunity and an increasing monoculture. At least in my experience, that kind of job, it makes you, and that especially that kind of single point of failure, it makes well, I'll use the me because it, everything I say here is true about myself, at least. It made me susceptible to groupthink. It made me more susceptible to boredom or to ennui. Uh, it lowered my willingness to take risk. It, it destroyed my ability to be independent. And, you know, it made me vulnerable to personal animosity. But leaving a job, even a fragile job, is enormously difficult. There's, there's enormous opportunity costs. And not just the paycheck. Although, let me tell you, getting a paycheck every other week, there's something wonderful about that. But a little numbing as well. So not just the paycheck. And not just losing health care insurance you know, which may be more important these days. It's, it's losing familiar routines. It's losing familiar friends. There's a fear of failure when you try something new. And not just failure, but humiliation in front of family, in front of friends. There's a fear of being trapped out in, in the cold, and leaving a job is usually a one-way decision. You can't come back. So you lose a sense of meaning. You lose purpose. You lose some part of your identity, which becomes entangled with the job. Personally, I know answering the question, what do you do, became much more difficult. Because without your job... What are you? So that's the first kind of job. The second kind is 
what Taleb would categorize as robust. This is the small business owner. This is the plumber, the dentist. It's the entrepreneur that has been tested by reality and survived. See, that's what's weird about this. The fragile job feels safe, but the risk increases over time as you or your company atrophy. And every company atrophies. While the robust job, being an entrepreneur, feels risky, but the safety increases over time as you learn how to adapt and how to build a reputation. The key is, I think, the entrepreneur should have a large number of non-correlated customers. That means there's no boss. There's no single point of failure. No customer can destroy you by firing you. And just as important is that if you have a large number of customers, they probably have heterogeneous views. They have diversity of thought, unlike in a monoculture corporation. And the good news, and I think there is a lot of good news, the good news is that as opportunity declines in fragile jobs, it's increasing in robust jobs. I really think this is the golden age of entrepreneurship. You have modern tools like Patreon and Kickstarter and GoFundMe. You have tools like Amazon Web Services, Amazon Merchant Services, Shopify, Stripe, Instagram, YouTube, and, uh, and Twitch. All of these, I think, create a ton of opportunity. And what's great is that I think, especially today, developing a hobby into a robust job can often be done in parallel with a fragile job. And that allows, you know, a gradual transition. It lowers the risk. So the final bucket is a little more peculiar. This is the anti-fragile job. And, you know, just a reminder as much for myself as anyone, but anti-fragile means the class of things that benefit from disorder, that get stronger from being shocked. And I think, you know, Taleb uses a classic example of the New York City restaurant industry as a whole. Each restaurant is fragile, but the system, the industry, is anti-fragile because every shock, every recession, every natural disaster, by definition, destroys the weakest restaurants, and they are replaced by new, more vibrant, stronger restaurants. And the other, I think, classic example is, is humans. The human body is anti-fragile. If you stress it with interval training or exercise, that makes it tougher. It makes it more resilient. And same with the human mind. So when I think of anti-fragility as a job, I think today at least of social media. I think here is probably the easiest place to explain it. Because social media is somewhere you can monetize the outrage of the other side. 
And this is a really strange idea, that the more one side tries to destroy someone, the more the other side, I think, almost instinctively tries to support that person or protect them. And I think this explains the success of many famous or infamous people on both sides of the political aisle. Two examples. Jordan Peterson was attacked by the left, and he now crowdsources on Patreon more than $1 million a year. And Andrew McCabe at the FBI had been attacked by the right, and he raised more than half a million dollars on GoFundMe. Now, that's a lot of money. So I think more and more people are trying this approach because it's shown to work. I'm cautious, however. I think there are two unfortunate side effects. Number one, something about this seems to mean you have to define yourself by what you're against, what you oppose, what you hate. And that strengthens the ego and essentially, I think, makes it impossible to change your mind. Your identity gets wrapped up in hating. Your identity gets wrapped up in political issues. And the second side effect, I think, is it just increases division, right? I mean, this formula isn't complicated. You find the most famous person on the other side, and you attack them as vehemently as possible. And... What kind of incentives does that create? This is a very undeveloped thought, but maybe there's a better way. Maybe you can have frenemies online where two people who really have differing opinions can use each other to iterate to something closer to the truth. So you can still have the conflict that is engaging, but it can be a cooperative disagreement. And I think that's what Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson were trying to do with their recent discussions. And that worked. They sold out massive arenas to disagree about really important topics. But they did it in a friendly way, in a steel manning way, in a way that, again, had truth as the primary goal. So those are the three buckets, fragile, robust, anti-fragile. And I think by necessity, we need to start working to figure out how to best make the transition away from fragile. Okay, that's it. I'll catch you later.